Welcome to Pod Me If You Can. I'm David Farrell. And I'm Lloyd Hughes. And this is our film discussion podcast. A quick note on spoilers. We always discuss films after having watched them. So uh, if you don't want crucial details of a film ruined, or uh, you know don't want to hear all the spoilers, hmm. um, rent, buy, or watch the film before listening to the rest of this podcast. If you don't mind, by all means, let's let's talk it out. Today's film is The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, the David Fincher US version. And uh, we wanted to do a quick warning for the younger listeners and uh, any adults who uh, don't want to hear this very adult content. Yeah, heavy themes in this one. They're very heavy, uh, very mature themes. And though we are a clean podcast, we won't be cursing. The things we'll be discussing on this podcast will be of a very adult nature. And we just thought we'd preface by saying that. Um, all right. I love David Fincher films. Uh, Lloyd, this was your choice. Yeah. So we'll jump straight into it. I love it. Um, it was such in desperate need of a remake, the original film. Um, oh, 2009. Yeah, 2009. Was it was well in due for a remake. Three whole years ago. That means they must have started making this early 2011 or late 2010. Mm. That was really... <laughs> it, it felt like a, an absolutely excellent use of $90 million. Yeah. That How much money? $90 million. Wow, okay. Yeah, what yeah. was the budget? Look, I like David Fincher films. Oh, I as think I said, he's amazing. He's a great director. Yeah, influential. Um, but Fight Club is his best work. Yeah, I, th- I think Seven is his best seven? work for me. Yeah, All right. yeah, both very close in time though. Yeah, was it ninety seven or something? Seven, uh, seven, ninety four, ninety five. Okay, um, yeah, and then he did the game, um, and then I'm pretty sure it was this is Fight a bit Club. of a gap. Yeah. yeah. Prior to that was Alien 3, obviously. <laughs> obviously. <laughs> um, <laughs> I still haven't seen Alien 3. Okay. <laughs> Don't know. Hasn't interested me. Um, so the girl with the dragon tattoo. Yep. This is... We should say at the beginning of this podcast that neither of us have read the books. Nope. Or seen the original. Or seen the original films. So we are simply discussing this film in a kind of entertaining way. Like, yeah. uh, as entertainment... What did we think of it? Uh, we don't, we're not going to discuss anything that was missing from the books. Yeah. We're not going to discuss anything different from the original film. Yep. And I understand that there are things that are different. Obviously, all the cast, for one. Um, but for the purposes of this podcast, we're just going to talk about it fresh. Because we saw it, and we, we're going to talk about what we saw. Yeah, it's interesting. Because um, when I saw Girl with the Dragon Tattoo was being remade in America, I was like, oh, another American remake. Mm. And I was just more insulted I guess the fact that how quick the remake was yeah. and then I saw David Finch's name attached I was like oh I'll shut up because <laughs> obviously he would have saw Sonic in that when yeah let's do it yeah. you know because he's got that vision yeah oh yeah well could of that as well could have been financial it could have been financial just... but um and then with David Finch's team he brings along like if you watch a social network he had um Trent Reznor doing the music he even has Rooney Mara the yeah, girl the girl um, with the dragon tattoo and he's got that whole team that will follow him and he is elite probably one of the highest level directors working in the world at the moment um you know the social network wasn't a movie about Facebook really it was about the business side the backside and the human nature of yeah the relationship between the two guys yeah, exactly. Like yeah. Uh, Benjamin Button, I didn't like at all the movie, but it was so well crafted. It was and technically, so well a very, very well made film. Yeah, and he's 
brilliant. Like, there was so much CGI in the social network that I didn't know about. Like, the guy who played the twins. Um, Army Hammer. Yeah, and all the computer screens were CGI'd and stuff like that because it was a period piece. They had to get all that right, you know, mm. and all the rest of it. Uh, period piece in the early 2000s. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, and he comes along with Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. And from that opening, which looked like a music video, well, that's right, this is David Fincher, his background was in music videos. And yeah. It was amazing, just brought me in. And every shot in it, every uh, er- everything in it was just, you know, really well done, I- extremely well done. And all the actors he brought along like that signed on, like Christopher Plummer, mm. Daniel Craig. And he fought long and hard for Rooney Ma. They wanted someone more sexual, I heard. For that role because obviously she gets involved in very heavy scenes um and he said no no this is the girl that i want because with social network she's in the opening scene i think uh, david finch i heard did 70 takes of the scene it was heavily heavily heavy monologue that she had to memorize and yeah. she was nailing it every single time mm. you know they were talking very quickly yeah yeah and that was part of it 70 takes that's insane um IMDB reports that uh, when the casting process started, the role was originally offered to Natalie Portman. Wow, okay. She would have been great as well. Sure. Um, She declined due to exhaustion. So, I mean, I see kind of a V for Vendetta, you know, shaved head kind of, you know, she could have fully gone for it. Yeah. uh, She could have pulled it off, yeah. And Natalie Portman's, of course, award-winning now due to Black Swan, and, and she's been nominated before for Closer, I'm pretty sure. And um, Scarlett Johansson was also considered... But David Fincher considered her too sexy. Wow. So there you go. Um, Jennifer Lawrence, who plays... She's coming up in The Hunger Games. She played Mystique in uh, X-Men First Class. And she was in Winter's Bone, I believe. Um, she was rejected because she was too tall. So it wow. seems it seems like a really kind of... No, Specific too tall, role, too yep. short, you know. And Rooney Mara, obviously worked with before in um it's a big cult um, character they had to bring it you know treat it with a lot of respect because it's big in europe the it she is big in europe you know they uh yeah they did apparently they had a petition and stuff online for uh numi repasse repasse the uh the original girl oh, the okay. Tattoo, yeah, yeah. um from the original films she was considered to come back um but she wasn't interested in playing the role because if you've seen this film and hopefully listening to this podcast you have and there's a lot going on that psychologically you don't want to keep doing yeah you don't want to do if it's david fincher he's doing 70 takes yeah. or whatever he's doing um there's a few scenes in this film so full-on and adult it's so demanding for yeah. the actress yeah and it would bring you to that that you know over the line sort of thing exactly the opening title sequence you touched on uh, I sort of saw that like a James Bond movie. Yeah, that, that's a good point. Yeah, 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 they always have those kind of, um, you know, songs that go with the crazy imagery and, and like a bullet flying through the air in slow motion through cards or whatever, you know, Bond film it yeah. is. And it really, uh, for me, um, because I'm very familiar with David Finch's career, it was just like, you know, I'm just going to put all my guns blazing right at the beginning and it mm. throws down this gauntlet. just like, wow, and like everything is opening constantly like um two creatures i guess you can say that are making out then they blossom into a flower like it's constantly uncovering 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 you know which was the whole theme of the movie and it was just great music video and trent reznor's remix of um uh i think it's i can't remember the song immigrant song i think it was called you know just pounds away just like wow (laughs) great opening Mm, definitely um the thing was though it's very franchise setup kind of yeah um 
there's a hornet and there's fire because the other two obviously girl that kicked the hornet's nest and the girl who played with fire are the sequels you know to the uh, trilogy and I guess it's just sort of symbolizing the other installments um, according to David Fincher the opening title sequence of the movie is sort of a primordial sort of tar and ooze of the subconscious and sort of her nightmare wow cool yeah so that kind of it does set a it tone out. it mm. does set a tone yeah it's interesting I didn't know the movie was about the girl with the dragon tattoo I thought it was a theme that they were searching for like the, the girl that they were searching for she had a dragon had tattoo had a dragon so tattoo go, hold on that uh, um, punk looking girl has a dragon tattoo <laughs> I'm terrible with plot <laughs> so you can see that we we didn't prepare too much yeah. going and watching this film <laughs> Um, Christopher Plummer, he's been in three Nazi films at least, which I thought was interesting. Wow, okay. Because this film has kind of a, you know, they were Nazis kind of storyline as well. I mean, Sound of Music, where he isn't a Nazi, but... Um, and Inside Man. Have you seen Inside Man, the Clive Owen oh, yes, I have uh, seen film? That. He's locked in the bank, Denzel yep. Washington. Uh, spoilers for anyone who hasn't seen Inside Man. Now's your chance. <laughs> Pause now and go watch Inside Man. Um inside the bank what they steal is proof that he's a nazi and like you know the thing that's locked in that tiny uh you know uh, safety deposit box that clive owen goes in for i mean there are diamonds and things like that or whatever but the thing that they take is the the nazi proof that and now seeing christopher Plummer in another role having inside man kind of in the back of my head it's kind of like oh is he playing a nazi in this one and, <laughs> yeah and that, that immediately kind of grabbed yeah. me but Christopher Plummer's good, and he's, uh, I think he's up for uh, an award. Um, or he was for Golden Globes. Oh, okay. I think. Yep. For Girl with Dragon Tattoo? Or no, for no, something like Beginners, okay, sure. I think. Yep. All right. Um, look, this film, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, it's an old mystery film at its heart, isn't it? I mean, uh, it's 40 years later. Most of the suspects are still alive in the area. It's sort of an intriguing kind of setup. Yeah. And the, the writer, Stieg Larson, I believe his name is, yep. um, he passed away before these books were incredibly oh, okay. successful. Sure. Um, I believe that's common knowledge, that they basically... Um, he wrote them all, obviously, while he was alive, and then they weren't picked up and weren't successful. He never got to sort of enjoy his success, mm. you know, which is sort of... It's become this huge cult sort of hit. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. It's really interesting. Um, that sort of, like, uh, isolated location really made me think of The Shining, oh yeah you know Daniel Craig comes and he's uh, got to hang out there for a certain period of time and sort of write this thing sort of uh, Jack Nicholson's character is no that's a very good comparison well. yeah 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 it's not as isolated because there are more people yep. around you know but it's still like possibly going to drive him insane you know by the end of it and that initial meeting with Daniel Craig he's quickly losing track of who is who you know he's getting everything thrown at him all at once yeah i felt the same way yeah I, yeah i was lost yeah i'm i'm pretty dumb with these like whodunits um sort of movies i can't keep track of all the names and stuff like that it even cuts to a big board mm. you know he's got a big board there with trying the... to spell it out to the audience no no this guy's this guy <laughs> yeah exactly and there were so many like uh family members and uh, i guess there must have been red herrings that you sort of sit there and go, wait, who's what? You yeah, know, yeah. For someone who's read the book, you already know who it is, you know. So really, you should be doing this for the new audience. You should be saying, here are the options a little more clearly, because it's exactly what Daniel Craig said. I, I was losing track of who's who. They're like, here's this person, here's this person, here's this person. It was like a really poor initiation to the 
the oh, characters. Yeah, to, yeah. The yeah, yeah. To, to the to the mystery, really. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, and there was a scene shortly afterwards where um, he was trying to figure things out, and they had sort of this little montage of him reading that was a bit pointless and highlighting things, and it wa- it wasn't as if the audience could tell what he was highlighting or anything relevant. Yeah, it just shows he was working, really. Yeah. Yeah, and I don't know about you. But it was 158 minutes, and it felt much longer. Yeah, it did. This film no, it went by fast for me. No, nah, yeah. I was sitting there thinking, oh, I would have cut that highlighting scene, firstly, <laughs> where he was highlighting I things. love those mechanical scenes. Fincher did it with Seven when Morgan Freeman goes into the library and he starts detailing all the Seven. He gives it to Mills like a whole fold, and I love those scenes. It just shows the character going into the research of it you know <laughs> yeah I guess maybe there's elaborate sort of backstories yeah. and stuff because there are those directors who make them go off and do the things that's like Michael Mann isn't yeah. it yeah. he famously had Tom Cruise do you want to tell the story yeah uh, because he wanted the problem with casting Tom Cruise everyone knows it's Tom Cruise and uh, Michael Mann wanted to get Tom Cruise out of being a star, being that celebrity. He wanted once he gets into that taxi, like for a brief second, like for collateral, the yeah, film. for collateral, the film. And so what he had um, Tom Cruise doing, he had to dress up as a FedEx guy delivering all these packages. And Michael Mann put a camera on his hat, and he had to have a conversation with people, and he succeeded. No one recognized he was Tom Cruise. Mm. You know, he did He's it. Got to so, blend in. Yeah, he had to blend in, and that was one of his tasks. You know, and um, yeah, David Fincher would probably be in a similar. Mode. <laughs> yeah, kind of making them do this meticulous preparation it's interesting how much they dress down the sexuality of Daniel Craig because I I didn't know this but because of James Bond girls find him unbelievably attractive he's really sexy he's a big male action star and I'm like really? (laughs) this guy? Um, well there was that there was there was that scene, yeah, but he was really like the nerdy reporter and the girl was the tough chick, wasn't she? She was the one running after the killer at the end, you know, it wasn't him. He mm. he always struggled in his combat scenes, you know, he had to get a knife and hide the knife, you know, he wasn't he wasn't a strong man, leading man and David he Fincher had to play it down, yeah. yeah. David Fincher dropped that completely. It's interesting and th- that's Daniel Craig. You know, he was James Bond and he played him as a nerdy reporter. That's brilliant direction. But that's the source material. Yeah, that's the source I mean, material, but still it's to cover that up. Like I guess putting Charles Bronson and Clint Eastwood, they're still going to pop out, you know, yeah. as the top guy. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, it's not everybody that finds Daniel Craig that amazing. Yeah. Um, there was a massive campaign called, uh, uh, was it CraigNotBond.com, I think. Oh, really? Um, to some, get him off. Something like that, where <laughs> they were all saying he looked more like one of the villains in James Bond. He and, does, he does have that menacing face. Yeah, yeah, and that they weren't ready for a blonde James Bond and stuff. It was a lot of um, just anger towards him before the film was so successful, yeah. you know? And um, it sort of established him as a movie star now, you know, didn't really have any breakout role before Bond. Yeah. Yeah, really interesting, but... Rooney Mara, we'll talk about her. She's barely been in anything as well. She's got a tiny amount of sort of uh, credits to her name before David Fincher and the one scene in The Social Network. Yeah, the major scene she had at the opening of The Social Network, yeah. Exactly. Well, that's what caught David Fincher. Apparently that scene, she was just nailing it all and he was just like, this girl has got it, you know, Mm. and he's fighting tooth and nail for her now. (laughs) Exactly. Well, I mean, she's going to go on to bigger and better things. Oh, she's fantastic. She is, and there's a really sort of, it's a very brave thing to do. Her parents owned the Giants. The New York Giants. The New York Giants. Yeah, the the football team. they just won the Super Bowl. Yeah, they just won the Super Bowl. (laughs) <laughs> well, she's having a good year. Yeah, yeah. She's probably going to get an Academy Award. <laughs> well, she is up, but she's up against Meryl Streep oh, and no, yeah. Michelle Williams. Well, sorry, a nomination. Yeah, She's <laughs> been nominated. Yeah, she has. Yeah, but as Elizabeth, the 
the computer hacker, this is a really full-on role. Yeah. It's a lot of elements to it. And it's brave to be nude on camera yep. these days. I mean, it's not, like, taken lightly. If, if it's done wrong, it can ruin careers, yes. you know. I mean, uh, Showgirls is a big example of, like, nudity unnecessarily and everybody just kind of pans films like that. Uh, um, Showgirls, the Verhoeven film. Yeah. I love that movie. <laughs> it's still panned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What can I tell you? <laughs> yeah, and um, I figure we're going to get into the, the more adult stuff now that yes. you have to deal with in yeah. this performance. Isn't that terrifying, those scenes? Oof. And the music as well, the, you know, just distortion throughout the whole... Oh, jeez. It begins in the film when she gets the creepy new Guardian. And I've got to bring up with that scene, there is a cleaner in the background with a high... Um, it's a vacuum cleaner of some sort. It's a floor buffer. Floor buffer, that's yeah. the one. Yeah, and yeah. it's going the whole time. And it amplifies when he grabs her head for the, you know... Um, well, we can, we can say it. Um, there's... <laughs> very clinically, we can say it, um, that he basically trades... Uh, oral sexual acts for a new computer for yep. her because he is in charge of her financial situation and and he aggressively puts her in that situation he yeah. does yeah and uh, he's plays it very creepy but allegedly the actor sort of was crying between not between takes but between days I'm guessing he was going home or like after the filming and stuff mm. but in the moment you believe like the horridness of this person yeah you know, and, and wasn't it great as that scene happened? The floor buffer amplified, and mm. oh man, it's it was very eerie. Scene. I did, I did yeah. want to mention that to you. Yeah, the eerie music, and then amplified by that floor buffer. Yeah. yeah, it was really well done, and it made me feel very uncomfortable for her. Um, or even more horrible is when she goes to see him again, and we don't know at the time that she is secretly videoing this encounter. Yeah, and uh, he handcuffs her, and the throw of the handcuffs where. He does that. It's just this poof, yep. grab your moment, you know, uh, really full on. And uh, just a terrifying yeah. uh, scene of rape that occurs yeah. afterwards. Obviously, it's a film. And uh, I have heard, though not seen, that the foreign film does even more wow. um, to okay. amplify this scene. Like, uh, I'm sure David Fincher did a very good job. Yeah, yeah. You know, because it was very uncomfortable to see. Um, and watching this film, I didn't realize she was going to do any kind of revenge or anything. It just feels as if someone else is aggressively, mm. you know, hurting her and, and stuff in this in this moment. Now, the author, he witnessed the gang rape of a young girl when he was 15 years old. Wow. And uh, he never forgave himself for failing to help the girl whose name was Lisbeth, which obviously is the name of the main character in his books. Um and I think this is kind of his way of paying it back. Or exercising kind of, it out of his, exactly. out of his soul sort of thing, yeah. Be- because, I mean, this isn't necessary yeah. to have this in there. I mean, all of this could be implied. Yep. But by actually going through this, seeing her go through it, you make men you the villain. Yeah, 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 yeah. The villain of the, the piece was always going to be a man. Yeah. Um, we find out who the killer is. I never suspected a woman because it doesn't sit with the theme of the film, which is like, I guess there is this empowerment for her. After the uh, the revenge with the tattoo gun, she um, tattoos his chest saying he's a rapist. Yeah. And, and I, I wondered if you thought this was empowering, like this revenge, or, um, you know... Is, would women be applauding this or do you think they would be kind of sickened by it all if you didn't know anything about this film and you're going in fresh you don't know what's going to happen you see 
the rape scene and then the revenge with the tattoo gun. Are you applauding well, I her? Was ha- I was applauding it, but I can see it go both ways. Mm. I can see it just being disgusted with the whole the whole sequence. Mm. Um, but yeah, I was definitely, because of the ugliness of the rape scene, I was really cheering when he had it trapped, you know, and people were... I could feel people behind me just going, yeah, you know, give it to the freaking, <laughs> you mm. know, guy, that sort of thing, yeah. Yeah, it was really interesting because I, I wasn't sure if uh, somebody who had been raped or or had any kind of thing like this happen to them, whether they could stomach this film. It feels like too close to the bone, I guess, you know? Um, And I feel like, obviously, she's a strong character and she can do this. She can take on her, um, you know, aggressor. I, I can't recall his name. Um, the character, yep. the, the what do you call it? The new guardian, we'll call him. Um, but I feel like if somebody raped you, you wouldn't want to look at them. You know, you wouldn't want to be near them. It would be sick in you to be around them. And she so easily kind of is able to be in the same room as him again, and then do the revenge and, yeah. and see him on more occasions afterwards. You know, she checks up on him and sees that he's trying to get the tattoo removed and stuff. Yeah. I feel like it's unrealistic to... Obviously, she's a different person. Yeah, yeah. You know. she's a strong, she, very, She's a yeah. very unique character. Yeah. But in the real world, I feel like the authorities would get involved yeah. <laughs> or, um, you know, it, was, it didn't seem like, I know I wouldn't be able to do this. You mm. know, it feels like you can't turn the other cheek, pardon the pun, in this in this kind of situation mm. um, but it feels really very full on very kind of horrible I yeah. guess you know um, this ugly. is sort of a very very full on subject matter for a, for a film you know when you're trying to escape reality and stuff to have something so full on I don't know it didn't sit right with me and maybe that took me out of this film and maybe made it more unsettling yeah less enjoyable right yeah because it's so ugly yeah, I yeah. don't know. I I feel like, well, would it been a would it have been a better film, or uh, about the same, if that wasn't included at all? I I think it's necessary to understand where the girl, like at what lengths the that girl, the main character will go to. Mm-hmm. It really puts a perspective of how extreme her situation is, and you know how tough she really is. So yeah, I think it was necessary. Necessary. For the, yeah, yeah. Could you could you have not had the handcuff scene happen and then? Showing the aftermath. Yep, you could have had it. You could have had it implied. Yeah, yeah. Without yeah. seeing the whole you thing, you could have just had the shot of the hallway and the whole thing going on off screen, mm. and the guy coming in and out in the robe and stuff like that. Maybe yeah. I, I feel like um, it would be more unsettling if you hadn't seen it. Even like whatever you put well, in your own mind. Yeah, exactly. Hitchcock said, um, what, um, "No matter what I can show you, um, it's always the audience's imagination is always darker." Yeah, and that's why always his um, murders would always happen in the dark, you know, or off screen. And stuff. Mm. Like the famous Reservoir Dog scene where he gets Mr. Blonde cuts the ear off of the cop. You never see it, but people go, oh, wasn't that horrible how he cuts his ear off? And you're just like, well, you don't actually see it, you know, but it's just in people's heads. <laughs> but then there's that really old film uh, where they... Yeah. What's that Max, one called? Uh, it's done by Salvador Dali and Louis Benoit, uh, Andalou, I can't remember. Yeah, where they take a, a razor... It's movie, yeah. Yeah, and actually cut the eye. Um in front of the audience almost punishing them and um it was so graphic even now watching it and that mm. film was made in like the early 30s late 20s and you're just like oh my so gosh. these kind of things stay with you yeah. so maybe that was the the choice but i mean 
when you're going into this film and and I felt it took a long time for me, maybe not for you, for Daniel Craig and Lisbeth Salander, I think up. her name is, to meet up. Yeah. It seemed a, a lot of padding at the beginning. We're getting a lot of exposition on Daniel Craig's point of view on who these people are and all this sort of thing. I was thinking, are we going to be watching two different movies? movies? Yeah, one about him, one about her, and then at the end they meet up in some combining circumstances? No, that's fair. It took a long time, and so I guess I was still waiting for them to be in the same room together, because I know they had scenes It's scaring how they did that, because obviously in a novel you can go any way, you can yep. run it in parallel. In a movie... From any character's yeah, point yeah. of view. Uh, in a movie you don't have that luxury, but it's interesting how they were willing to do that. <laughs> yeah, it did feel like two separate storylines, and then it converges sort of, not at the middle, but semi opening into that middle which is a bit late I, I do understand that yeah yeah mm. it's very different I'll give you that <laughs> yeah it's interesting I mean I I wouldn't have thought a film like this would be remade you know I guess um the the whole like just for the even the rape sequence I yeah. mean it seems a little controversial mm. if somebody was gonna you know I mean I guess because it's such a worldwide success yeah. and, and everything uh, that's probably where it's driving from my favourite thing about the uh, the Guardian and uh, the confrontation was when she's in the elevator with him and she basically says, I'm taking the keys because I'll be checking up on you and if I find out you're doing this and this, I'll kill you kind of thing. Yeah. And it was exactly Fight Club. Yeah. Um, it was the scene where Raymond Castle, uh, the clerk, they take him into the alley and uh, Brad Pitt says, if you're not on your way to becoming a veterinarian... In six weeks. In six weeks, you'll be dead. Yeah. And I loved that. I went, oh, that's just straight out of Fight Club yeah, for me. Yeah. Like, that was <laughs> one of those moments I really enjoyed. Yeah. Um, there was a lot of drinking in this film. I'm sure it's in the novel as well. Just a ton of drinking. <laughs> Constant promoting of alcoholic Alcohol. beverages. And it's a great ad for Apple computers um, and Happy Meals. Oh, McDonald's definitely. So many, so many product placement after doing um, it's amazing how much the Apple products the Apple computer with just its basic photo navigation how it helped them solve the crime definitely yeah yeah it had to be an Apple computer as well as they're going through I know it had Sony surveillance and stuff like that but I paid particular attention every time an Apple computer was on there I, it, it just Non-stop. went into my head just oh yeah I remember that feature I've got that on my computer <laughs> and uh, the other thing was after doing the greatest movie ever sold yeah <laughs> two weeks ago you kind of uh are more susceptible yeah. to this you're noticing you notice it, it a lot way more. more and there were so many mcdonald's ads. yeah there's so many mcdonald's happy meals she just kept eating it just like mm, the diet of um, all hackers mm. I-, I love the detail being in the room being in the room with um the girl with the dragon tattoo elizabeth elizabeth <laughs> elizabeth, yeah. elizabeth um like the detail of her flat of the computers she uses and how she goes about it. I oh, know that stuff really interests me, how she's hacking into computers, she's setting up the cameras. Yeah. I, I loved every moment what she was doing. She always seemed like two steps ahead of um, what you, what the audience knew and stuff like that. She was great. She was really the muscle of the movie, wasn't she? Yeah, I mean, ultimately, like the whole computer hacking thing, yep. there's kind of a Murdoch thing going on at the moment. Um, the whole relevance to the privacy and the news of the world scandal you know it felt right kind of in the headlines and and that sort of thing with Lisbeth um I was thinking the thing I enjoy more is her as a character she's isolated she doesn't have friends you know she um she's got this guardian she's being given out money from the state like I was more interested in her and uh that sort of stuff than the the plot and the um 
Oh, that's I, an interesting point. Yeah, I guess yeah. The, the mystery. Who done it, then the whodunit aspect of it. That yeah. felt like the reason that they were doing it, the whodunit, but it was more about the characters. Yeah. You know. Um, you didn't feel it was a good balance between, or that's it, you're just saying that's what you I, liked about it? I felt that when the whodunit bit came to an end, the film probably should have come to an end. Oh, yeah, and then instead they got a whole third act. Yeah, yeah then yeah, there was a whole of... nother part of it that just... I know it's probably in the book. They stay true to the source yeah, material, I, I'm sure. I had no idea what was going on. Something about body laundering. Or I was thinking, like. when I was is this going to end? By, but I, I'm just too dumb with plot. I'm like, why is she dressing up with a blonde wig? <laughs> why, why is she talking to this banker? <laughs> yeah. Well, there was... I just thought that a better end point could have been found. Mm. And if I just jump ahead to the very end of this for sure. a moment, the last part of the film, she buys him a present... And sees him with uh, the Robin Wright she's character. she's heartbroken, yeah. And she's heartbroken, and that's it. And it felt like a big downer, you know? I mean, you want to be rooting for these characters. She's opened herself up more. She's become less of a kind of isolated hermit computer hacker. And she's made a uh, friendship and, and whatever. And then... I mean, this all takes place over the course of a year. Yeah. Which was crazy when it's yeah, a year's gone ending, by. Yeah. It was like, what? It's been a whole year? Like... it felt like it's a, a long very, time a lot of European films end like that where it's just like oh yeah you know they're just walking away and, mm. and that sort of thing yeah and it's interesting that a heavy um, 90 million dollars a heavy American production would dare to end that way <laughs> yeah I didn't really appreciate the ending I, I wanted because something because you sat there for 158 minutes and yes and was like oh <laughs> yeah I mean the, the ending went on there was felt like too much yeah that, that was a bit on I, I actually like that the tone of that ending where she's just like you know screw it put it in the thing and then just walk away <laughs> well another thing i guess which i really enjoyed and david fincher does so well is to make this mystery serial killer script like zodiac mm. you know i love zodiac and the whole time during that film i'm like who done it you know and it's less about the characters i guess jake gyllenhaal's character is just kind of a guy it's just a means to finding everything out but I guess in this one, I, I didn't care nearly as much. I don't know why that was. Wow, interesting. Yeah, I thought Zodiac I was Zodiac, great. I Zodiac, but uh, sometimes it was a bit of a bore. You okay. know, there was way too much research sequences. I know I just said I love those. Yeah. But I felt that was way too much. And you just had the exact opposite reaction. It was too much research sequence in this one. Yeah, yeah. Maybe I guess the Zodiac killer, right? There's more clues to why they did this. And it was real life as well. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the girl with the dragon tattoo, it's... Um, never really clear for a long time who would do this and why. It's just that it has happened, you know, until you have a suspect, mm. you know, somebody you can kind of... Well, I guess with the Zodiac Killer, it was like, this is the region it's happening in and um, he's sending us taunting clues or whatever and there was kind of a method to it, I guess, mm. you know, something you could try and hold on to. But I don't know if we had enough information. Yeah. We just had, it could be one of these people, but it might not be, you know. You don't know whether or not it's strong enough. Yeah. Yeah. I guess. I don't know. Did you like Skarsgård's, um, he was, he ended up being the main killer. He did. <laughs> um. Well, not of the reason the girl disappeared, because it was really his father, but, yeah. The thing... He was frightening. Yeah. <laughs> he was terrified. I was suspicious of him most of the film the reason being is like when you watch he's just um, got that face yeah he's but just got that <laughs> that's yeah. not it when you <laughs> when you um have a big name actor amongst unknown actors 
it sort of seems like there's a reason he's playing that role. Oh, yeah. yeah. Almost as if, remember last week we talked about Hugo and uh, Count Dooku, Christopher Lee was mm. in it. I was suspicious of him as well because I thought, what's he going to do? Like, why have, why would Christopher Lee take this role if there wasn't a bit media for him? You know, there's something in there for him. So the whole time I'm suspecting it was Skarsgård. You know, I was just looking at him going, it's probably him, which maybe also ruined the mystery for me. Sure. Like, yeah, the, yeah. maybe it felt predictable when it was. Um, he had that basement room. Let's talk oh, about it. Oh, God. It was, it was like watching Saw. Yeah. All oh, over and again. And you don't see anything bloody. Everything is implied of what he did. But there's that moment where he lifts up Daniel Craig's shirt and he's holding yep. a knife and he's searching for a puncture point or where he's going to strike him. Yep. And just Skarsgård's face and how he's looking at that just chilled me to the bone. I was like, oh, please, somebody hit him over the head with a golf club. <laughs> see... I mean, he's recording that situation as well because he obviously um, is into it, and to say the least. And so he's recording it, and he's revealing everything on tape, which I was thinking this is going to be evidence. Mm. This is surely going to be what brings him down. You know, they know where they know it's him. You know, all that sort of stuff at this point. Um, it's not really being too careful anymore. After forty years of hiding, yeah. he's talking while a tape is recording his voice. And revealing everything. I was like, oh. Well, maybe because he's gotten away with it for so long, he just doesn't care. <laughs> but it was really, yeah, the villain revealing, you know. Too much information. Yeah, yeah, too much Let information. Let me tell you my yeah. plan for world domination. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then when he said, uh, we're not that different, you and I, it's a direct line from Austin Powers. <laughs> uh, it took me out of it as well. And then they played that uh, Orinoco Flow by Enya, you know, the Come Sail Away song. Oh, yeah. Um, oh well, yeah, he plays in the background. Yeah, which <laughs> wasn't that such a contrast. <laughs> yeah, um, IMDb again, just to throw a reference on. Um, it says this choice came about after a discussion on the scene where Daniel Craig flicked through his iPod and called out the first song he found, and he was met with a lot of laughter. <laughs> but maybe that's it. It's kind of like juxtaposition of like this doesn't really yeah, fit. Yeah, no. And, I, and I, stuff. I, yeah, you get that vibe. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, he says, he's saying everything out loud, he's speaking his plan, he says he finds himself getting hard, and it's a sexual thing, in the same way that Psycho is like a sexual thing. Yeah. And that's where the Psycho remake came into a lot of criticism, because Vince Vaughn plays the Norman Bates role, mm. and he, uh, you know, uh, satisfies himself while watching yeah. through the, the porthole, is it? Yep. Like, um, uh, into the other room where the girl is undressing. Yeah. yeah, and the criticism, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, was that he kind of satisfies his urge there instead of through the actual act of killing. Mm. And this is sort of reminded me completely of that, the fact that it's kind of a sexual thing mm. and that that's his satisfaction in the, in the killing. Yeah. Um, possibly the best line of the film came right after that, though which was, may I kill him? When Lisbeth asks permission... Yeah. Uh, and he goes, yes. <laughs> of, ...of Blomquist's character. Yeah, I, I, I was impressed that I was able to be surprised by that line so late in the script, you know, and sort of saved that one. And uh, I did enjoy the... The chase sequence. The chase sequence, I guess, that ended in his demise, but... Um, so really awkwardly choreographed because she hits him over the head and immediately her attention's to Daniel Craig and lets him slip. I'm like, man, I'd, first rule would be to neutralise the guy. I'd make sure I'd shoot his leg or Sonny. You know, you're not letting him walk away and go, oh, is it right if I kill him now? Oh, you should have done it ten minutes ago. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I was impressed by the, the politeness of it. Just it just felt like an 
an excuse for a chase sequence. Um, that seemed to me, um, I didn't think the action was necessary, but maybe it's to wake up the audience, you know. Maybe. Uh, I thought, I mean, I thought the nudity was there to wake up the audience. Yeah. Because it seemed to just, when the film was in a bit of a lull, somebody would get naked. Yeah. You know, or <laughs> something like that. I didn't that. notice that. <laughs> yeah, just as a sort of um, the pacing of the film, I don't know, it didn't really sit right for me. Sure. Um, it's technically a great film it was just the story that I had issue with yeah I think it probably is a lot like Zodiac it just I don't feel like it was executed quite as well and maybe we should review the the other version and see whether or not it that, compa- compare it yeah, 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 yeah. Um, see what's missing but you know I, I suppose we could do that if there is demand for it there were a lot of um, like great transitions in this film there was a helmet cam for a while when went on a motorbike things like that um, and there was this scene where the killer is still alive when uh, Blomquist is shot and it can't be Christopher Plummer because he's in hospital and so I suspected Skarsgård from, from like I said, there, around yeah. there um, he's the biggest cast member you know, like I said, when somebody guest stars on a television show um, did you pick it? Did you guess who the killer was? No, or you I, just I'm, going I'm pretty with bad with these plots I just go with it it wasn't until um, he took the knife and I'm going, oh, maybe it's this guy. <laughs> <laughs> Did you... Um, let's get straight into the, the sex scenes, I guess, and the relationship between Daniel Craig's character and Rooney Mara's character. Um, did you think they were a good couple? I mean, well, that's interesting because she's a young um, kid just experiencing love for the first time and everything. She falls in love with an older guy, not realising love is a lot more complicated. He didn't wasn't in love with the younger girl he was just there for the for the sexual pleasure I guess and it sort of felt as well like it was the fact that it was danger brought them together yeah in the same way that you know uh, he was fever. shot at yeah <laughs> a bit like that yeah and um, maybe it was just circumstantial because he was with Robin Wright's editor character yeah earlier and in the he film. really liked her that was evident yeah, yeah yeah and then at the end of the film he has his arm around her again you know and they're leaving and, and she's, she's heartbroken yeah yeah she's realising wow you know it's a lot more complicated <laughs> so it, was, it was almost like a holiday fling. Yeah. You know, like... Um, well, it wasn't for her. She thought it was something deeper, but for him, that's obviously what he saw. Like, just a little fling, you know. And she's just, like, realising the complexity of love in, in middle age. <laughs> because, of course, there is that scene where um, he meets her for the first time and she's wearing the most inappropriate T-shirt. <laughs> we won't repeat it here. Um but she's gone home with a woman the night before yeah. and stuff. And so there's kind of this uh, interesting both ways thing going on with it's her character. It's interesting what she represents. The modern bisexual cyberspace the tough chick, isn't she? Like, she's not like your typical feminine hero in the leather jacket. Oh, sorry, the tight leather clothing going through fire. You know, she's vulnerable. You know, she's I guess the lines quiet, are blurred. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I love that. I love this. I can see why this character is so popular. You know, she's not Angelina Jolie mm. running through the fire. She's this, you know, modern age chick that's into computers and everything. People like can that. probably relate more, I guess. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. She, you know, she eats junk food. She's not, um, you know, this fitness freak or anything like that. She smokes. She drinks. She indulges in life, and she's smart. You know, I guess she's sexy in that kind of way, you know, and that's why she's become this big cult action hero. And it was great watching her go through, like, as she's, you know, as she's going about the, the research and everything. I loved all those scenes, just being in the room with her, going through what she does best. <laughs> mm. Well, um, 
Let's talk about that, the parade photo mystery. Yeah. Which uh, was, you know, crucial to finding out that it was Martin and that this Skarsgård character. I th- thought it was really lucky and convenient <laughs> that they were able to get every angle of that parade the way that they did. Oh, this person took a photo. Oh, I can track them down. Oh, easy, easy. Yeah, that was interesting. I would never have thought of that. <laughs> I mean, it, yeah... I was underwhelmed by all of that. Uh, this is pre the Facebook era as well, so I don't know how many people were taking photos. <laughs> Wasn't it lucky that that woman was there on her honeymoon? Yeah. She could grab the the first album on her shelf. It was yeah. right there. Very convenient. I yeah, mean, yeah. you know, you just at a certain point you've kind of just got to go with it. Um, was your cinema very full? Um, oh, well, I saw it a late screening, so I'd say medium, medium size. But Just out of curiosity. Yeah, yeah, me- yeah. medium, yeah. Because it felt like a very kind of calm crowd. Nobody really reacted in mine. Yeah. And I kind of thought people would react more, especially with the intense sort of scenes in it. But yeah, it was just, maybe everyone was a bit underwhelmed. I, yeah. I can't speak <laughs> for them. Um, I was underwhelmed. Sure. I, I kept thinking... Is this it really? Like, is is there more to this? Right. And I, I I didn't know anything about it. You know, I'm not going in with any expectation of the books and the other films and that sort of thing. It really just the fact that it's so popular made me think it's going to be great. I yeah. guess. And maybe my expectations were too high. Sure. Maybe that's the case. I was uh, blown away. Oh, I thought this was one of the best films I've seen really? <laughs> this year. Yeah. I okay. Was absolutely blown away. Um, well, it was always going to be a man, as I said, because like the men harming women, it's a constant kind of theme of the film. Um, it ties the sort of rape stuff in there, and and the horrible pictures that were shown of the killer, uh, the religious killer, and what he was doing to each of them. Yeah, yeah, and um, also there's daddy issues in the film. I mean, Daniel Craig is a father, a bit of an absent father, and uh, Elizabeth tried to burn her father. So, you know, there's also kind of this running theme as well, which is interesting. Yeah. And um, a great scene I did really appreciate was when she gets robbed in the train station. Guy tries to steal her computer. And she fights back. Yeah, and it, she's so agile, it happens so fast, no one really helps her, there's no real dialogue, it all just sort of, it's very slick, mm. very kind of cool scene. Yeah. And um, that I really enjoyed. Yeah. You know? Um, there were lots of little things that bugged me, like... Uh, Daniel Craig rests his glasses really stupidly on his face, you know? Like, <laughs> like he rests them... Uh, you got to see it. It's towards the end of the film, and you just think, what's he doing? <laughs> I didn't even notice that. I can't Completely remember. unnatural. Yeah, yeah. But towards the end of the film, though, I was hating it because of how many extra endings it sure, had. Yeah, you know, yeah. it felt like... It did have that Lord of the Rings 3 Lord of the type. Rings, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, the borrowing the money, all that sort of yeah, stuff. Yeah, to be honest, I had no idea what was going on towards those it, last it bits, yeah. Was, it was as if it was a different movie, mm. you know? I wouldn't be surprised if we found out that stuff was the beginning of the second book or sure. something, you yeah, know? Yeah. Um, she says to her former carer who's had the stroke or the heart attack or whatever it was, she says how happy she was, you know? And she mentions, I liked working with you and stuff to uh, Daniel Craig. She becomes less of a loner. And I think mm. that's the most interesting thing of this to me. Yeah, yeah. Is watching her come out of her shell and make a bond with someone. A friendship, if you will. I know, obviously, it's a friendship with benefits, you mm. know, for them in that situation. And it doesn't work because she wants it to be what it is. And he's gone back to... At the beginning of the film, she, she was doing surveillance on him. And found out all about the Robin Wright yep. thing before, you know any of this happens um so i guess for it all to go back to how it was 
was too much for her. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I did feel like that was a really flat final scene. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, is, is that it? Yeah, very um, European style ending. Yeah, <laughs> you know? as you say, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Which, I mean, I think made me think even more how underwhelmed I was. Sure. You know, I was yeah. not impressed. Anyway, um, I was underwhelmed. As I said, I can't say it enough. Uh, what was all the fuss about? And like we said before, probably too soon to recreate a film from 2009. Yeah, yeah. You know, three years isn't really enough and spend $90 million doing it. And uh, too reliant on nudity, I think, and the yeah. promise of action. You know, it's like saying there's going to be action, just stay with us. You know, 158 minutes, for me, it felt like 200. I have to recommend this film. Uh, go check it out. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I, I think it's a great um, a great mystery film that's not like your typical Wallander or Criminal Minds or gosh damn NCIS. Uh, it has very interesting characters, very well detailed and extremely well made, like The Cross of Shoot. But it's not for everyone. There are mm. scenes in it that will turn you sick, you know, mm. um, really no, to the bone technically I, I completely agree yeah, technically yeah. it's a really well made film yeah I mean it's completely worthy the soundtrack like you yeah. say the sound design all that sort of stuff performances is, were great performances were on cue I mean uh, I don't really love Daniel Craig I'm, I'm indifferent to yeah. him I, I wasn't put off by his performance or anything like that Christopher Plummer you know like I said Skarsgård was too obvious for me and, yeah. and seemed like he was going to be the killer the and whole it's time very long <laughs> and it is a long film yeah. you know I mean um up to you guys let us know what you think if you've seen the girl with the dragon tattoo i was underwhelmed lloyd thoroughly enjoyed yep. it let us know what you think on yeah, facebook um, facebook.com slash pod me if you can become a fan while you're there and uh, recommend films that we should be checking out in the future well that is it for this episode i hope you've enjoyed it um, as always www.podmeifyoucan.com uh, for any episodes you've missed our back catalog is there and um as always, we'd love to hear from you. So, um, uh, well, this was my choice um, this week uh, with Go with the Dragon Tattoo. Um, Dave, you'd like to pick a film? Yeah, next week uh, we are going to talk about. We need to talk about Kevin, okay. which is uh, a Tilda Swinton starring film uh, based on the novel, and it is a really interesting film that I've seen now, and uh, I'm getting Lloyd to go and see. It really is kind of this uh, incredibly interesting film to me, and I don't want to get into it too much just because I want Lloyd to go in fresh. Yep. But um, she's been Oscar-nominated, I believe, or possibly Golden Globe-nominated. I can't recall whether or not Tilda Swinton's been Oscar-nominated. Um, and well-deserved, I think. This is a really well-made, interesting film that I think we're going to have a good discussion about next yep. time. Not to get too into it okay. right now. But uh, if you guys are interested in following us, um, like a book club kind of situation um, the one to watch for next week is we need to talk about Kevin it's in cinemas now thanks very much for listening thanks guys all the best